friendship level with God. You know what we call them? The remnant. All right, how do you like that? Oh, good. All right. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26 to kick this thing off. Hallelujah. And it says these words. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the, underline it, friend of God. You see then that a man is is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Amen? Today I want to talk about this topic. Are you ready? How to be a friend of God. Say friend of God. God. Now, what does it mean to be a friend of God? Because certainly everybody who's a Christian is going to say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a friend of God. Oh, hold on. The word friend is defined as this. A person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Say mutual affection. See, in James 2.23, which I just read, Abraham is called a friend of God. I find it interesting because if you're a Christian, aren't you just automatically a friend of God? No. No, the answer is no. See, God is no respecter of persons. If Abraham was a friend of God, we also have that same opportunity on this earth. See, we, in, in our society... We throw the words friend and friendship around very loosely. You agree with that? But friendship is not some shallow concept. It implies a closeness, an intimacy in a relationship. Now, I know a lot of people, but not everyone is my friend. Are you following me? Now, they might be an acquaintance, but not necessarily a friend. Now, an acquaintance, listen to this, an acquaintance, acquaintance is defined as this, a person one knows slightly, but is not a close friend. Everybody who calls themselves a Christian is not necessarily a friend of God. Legally speaking, if you're born again, you are a son, you are a daughter of the Most High God. You agree with that? But here's the deal. So you are legally, say legally. Legally. You're legally a son or a daughter of God because you're born again. But friendship is on an experiential level, not a legal level. Are you following me? 
Don't confuse your legal standing with your experiential level in your relationship with God. Oh, come on, somebody. Now, I know, now what do you, let me give you an example. Are you ready for this? Let me drop the bomb on you here. Are you ready for this? I know a lot of people that are legally married, but they ain't friends. Are you following me? (laughs) They are not experiencing the level of friendship in their legal marriage relationship. Come on, somebody. Your legal standing doesn't automatically make you friends. Are you following me? Oh, this is a good topic today, by the way. Amen. But see, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit put in the New Testament in James 2.23 that says Abraham was a friend of God. God wants to be your friend. Amen. That's what we're talking about today. So it is possible to be saved and not be a friend of God. So we all need to examine our hearts today. Am I a friend of God? Sure, I'm born again. I'm saved. I know him slightly, but we're not close. As we get so caught up in the world, we get so caught up in who God is. They talk about him once in a while. They talk to him when they need something, but that's as far as it goes. There's no mutual affection. Oh, God's crazy about you, but not many Christians are crazy about him. Are you following me? You ever been in a relationship where you're crazy about someone, but they're not giving it back? It don't feel very good, does it? So I'm talking about our responsibility in our relationship toward God. How many of you know God is always faithful of us? He is always fond of us, right? But in a friendship, it's never a one-way street. Say covenant. Take sacrifice, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your effort and everything you have to be invested in your relationship, in your covenant with Almighty God. Amen? See, it says God is a rewarder of those who, what? Diligently seek Him. Those who are diligently, mutually fond of Him. Those who really want to get to know Him. Amen? Go to uh, Deuteronomy 5.29. Let me show you something. Let me show you something where it talks about the heart of God here. Just, it's one verse and it's so powerful. So powerful. Deuteronomy 5.29 says these words. Oh, that they had, had such a heart in them that they would fear, or that word fear means reverence me. And always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and their children forever. Some say, well, we're under the new covenant. We don't have commandments anymore. Oh, you'll find out we got commandments. Not only do we have commandments, but your love is based on you obeying those commandments. Amen? See, God is so willing to bless you. But the real question is this. Are you willing to bless him? When I hear the phrase, God bless America, for some reason, my heart just gets heavy. I don't, you know, God bless America. Well, okay, I I sense the Holy Spirit grieving over this country. Anybody in here today? How is God supposed to bless a country that kicked him out of government, that kicked him out of the schools, amen? 
How is God supposed to bless a, a, a country where it's still legal in some states to murder the unborn? Are you following me? How is God supposed to bless a country where homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, where it's destroying and corrupting God's perfect creation, where it's taking it out of proper divine order that God put in place. How is he supposed to bless that? He can't, and he won't, and it's impossible. So the true phrase should be, America, bless God. Amen? That's really what it should be. Now, here's the deal. As I was driving here today, the Holy Spirit dropped a revelation bomb on the inside of me. Listen to this about love, loving others. Walking in love means loving the person, not the sin. You, you all heard that before, right? Here's the problem. The twisted kind of worldly love is this. They love the sin. They think you've got to love the sin to love the person, but that's not God's love. Are you following me? So many are confused about that. And we're called to love people, but not the sin. In fact, they got it so twisted. If you're going to love the sin, guess what? The Holy Spirit said this to me. If you're going to love the sin, you hate people. Why? Because sin destroys humanity. So if you're going to love sin, you hate people. Because it's going to bring them down. That's just a fact, Jack. Amen? Now listen, I know in this country we have an abundance of money, food, well, so far at least. If the Democrats had their way, come on somebody. Right? But as of right now, we have an abundance of money. We have an abundance of food in America, for now at least. But sometimes things that were once a blessing switch to a curse. Are you following me? Sometimes it is the, in the abundance of things that keep people away from, from God. It becomes an idol in their life. Revelation 3.17, writing to the church at Laodicea, they said this, What do I have need of God for? I have everything I need. They are deceived by their natural senses. And little do they know, it goes on to say, that you're poor, naked, and wretched. Spiritually speaking. So a true friend of God will feel what God feels about situations. He will feel, come on, how God feels about other people. Amen? When God grieves, you should grieve. When God's pleased, you should be pleased. Amen? See, God created us to have fellowship with Him. God longs for your fellowship. He longs for our communication with Him. That's why He created us on this earth. Amen? That's why you feel such like a mess in your emotions because you're blocking the one out that created you to communicate with Him and to love Him. See, God's desire is to have you and I and all the people on this earth enter into a meaningful relationship with Him. That's the perfect will of God. His desire... Uh, that desire caused him to start a bush on fire that wasn't consumed to get Moses' attention. Are you following? Today, this message is your burning bush. God's trying to get your attention today. He wants you to be a friend of him. Amen? So his desire for a relationship with us was so great that he sent his most prized possession from heaven. 
His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Amen? He sent Jesus down to a hell-bent earth while we were still cursing God. But He gave us what we needed. Amen? And you still need to tap in to enter into that relationship. You need faith in Christ. Amen? So God is searching the entire earth right now. And He's looking for faithful believers who have set Him on the throne of their hearts. Has he found it in your heart? Come on, somebody. As Christians, until you get to that point, I said as Christians. I'm not talking to an unsaved world. I'm not talking to a child of the devil. I'm talking to a born-again Christian today. Until you get to that point in your walk with God, you will always have that, that holy dissatisfaction on the inside of you. Nothing will ever feel right until you get to that point. Because you were called, you were created, you were molded. You were, come on, he breathed in you the breath of God to be a friend of God. So our first and main purpose on this earth is to walk closely and intimately with our creator. And until we do that, guess what? We're at the same level as a lost and dying world and constantly trying to fill that void in our life with worldly and fleshly things. And that's called idolatry. By the way, so idolatry takes place when we take God out of the priority seat of our life and try to replace him with something else. I found something interesting about the word idolatry. Listen to this. The word idolatry, the Hebrew word translated idolatry, the root word of that word. You want to know what it means? worthless. You're trying to replace God, almighty God, with worthless things in your heart. Say worthless. It's all worthless. If God's not in it, it's crap. It's worthless. As Paul called it, it's dung. Amen. Come on, somebody. So James 4, 4 says to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. That's written to Christians. That's written to born-again Christians. To be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. Now, so you can be an enemy or a friend of God, and guess whose choice it is? Yours. It's absolutely yours. So I want to give you some keys. I kind of set this up, and let's roll in this thing. It's time for takeoff. I want to give you some keys on how to be a friend of God. Are you ready? Go to John 15, verse 14. To be friends of God means, number one, that you are obedient to his commands. It is impossible to be a friend of God without obedience to the Lord. Amen? Look at this. John chapter 15, verse 14. And Jesus, the words are in red here, meaning Jesus himself is doing the speaking. He said, you are, underline it, my friends, if you do whatever I command you. It's that simple. If you do whatever I command you. In other words, it's conditional. Say conditional. conditional. See, we don't like to use that because we're so stuck on greasy grace. Come on, somebody. Oh, we got grease. Remember when I almost fell from here, right? It's greasy. That was greasy. We're stuck on greasy grace. Oh, you can just go do whatever you want. Just go ahead. Go do it. God's going to love you. You know, you can walk in the blessings. Well, evidently not. It all depends on your obedience. Say obedience. Obedience. So in James chapter 2, where it calls Abraham the friend of God, it's referring to his faith and works. 
right? I mean, think about it. If you had someone who said, oh, yeah, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. I'll be there for you. And in the worst time of your life, they're not there for you. Do you consider them a friend? Thank you. No, you wouldn't. So faith without works is dead. It's incomplete. Say incomplete. But faith with corresponding works is called living faith. Verse 22 refers to it as perfect, complete. But don't let the word perfect throw you off course. All that means is this, mature faith. How many of you know there's different levels of faith? Little faith, no faith, great faith. Are you following me? We need mature faith. We need to grow up. We as Christians, all of us, we need to grow up. Amen? So, you know, you can confess that you know God with your mouth, but you can deny Him in works by your actions. Go to Titus chapter 1. The proof of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ is your obedience to His commands. Obedience to the Word of God. Being a doer of the Word. So go to uh, Titus chapter 1. Titus. When's the last time you went to Titus? Come on, somebody. That's a good book, though. I'll tell you what. It's got some... All of it's good stuff, but... Man, there's, there's gems all over the place from Genesis to Revelation. Amen? So uh, go to uh, Titus 1, 15 through 16. And it says these words. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but how do they deny Him? But in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified from every good work. We can literally disqualify ourselves in our relationship with God. Oh, that goes over like a lead balloon, doesn't it? Amen, Master James. Amen. Listen, one of the greatest abominations in the sight of God is this, to profess Jesus Christ while at the same time living in disobedience to the Word. That's one of the greatest ways that you will ever slap Jesus Christ right in the face. Think about that. An example is our churches who profess Jesus as Lord, yet they put their stamp of approval on all that trash I talked about. Homosexuality, abortion, transgender, all of these things that they embrace unscriptural demonic beliefs. That is why the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 6.17, it says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. Come out from the world's beliefs. Come out from the worldly practices and be separate. See, remember last week I talked about kingdom culture. Say kingdom culture. We must have a kingdom of God culture mindset. And it's totally separate from the world. I want you to notice in verse 15 that it separates those those that are defiled and unbelieving. Did you notice that? It says defiled and and unbelieving. So you got your unbelievers, but then you got defiled ones who are those that believe, but are entangling themselves in the sin of this evil world system. Say defiled. And notice, where are they defiled? Very, very easy. Notice that the defiled ones, it says they're defiled in their thought life of their mind. 
It all starts right here in your thought life. These are the believers that have failed to renew their mind with the Word of God. They have failed to, uh, to really get to know who God is from His Word and understand His will. In fact, part of the whole process of renewing your mind, it says, so you will know the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. So obviously there's an unacceptable. Come on, somebody. Amen? They have refused to become disciples of Jesus Christ, which is a learner. I want to know more. God, I want to know you more. I want to be your friend. That's a disciple. They have failed to seek out the will of God on certain moral issues, and they go in the way of the world instead, or they just don't care. They're defiled. They've opened themselves up to sin. They've opened themselves up to demonic spirits in their life. Now, listen to this. The word defile means this, to spoil or desecrate. Now, I don't know about you. When I get, a, when I get look at a definition, I see it. If I see another word in there, I take, I take the next definition. Here's what I did then. So, defile means to spoil or to desecrate. So, I'm like, what does desecrate mean? You ready for this? Desecrate means to treat a place or a thing with violent disrespect. Say violent disrespect. It's violent disrespect to approve of things that the Word of God clearly says are wrong. Are you hearing me? See, we are not our own. We have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This Christians have totally really, you haven't thought about this one very much. All right, this is one we, we kind of thrown off uh, along the wayside here, but it's so important to know. Because if you get this thing in your thought life and you really let it sink into your mind, conscious and subconscious part of your mind, into your heart, you will think twice before doing something that is displeasing to God. Are you ready for this? 1 Corinthians 6, let's start at verse 12. And we'll go through 20. Here we go. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food food for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy it both, both it and them. Now the body, listen, here we go. Listen to this. This is interesting now. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot or a prostitute? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who that is joined to a harlot or a prostitute is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Look at verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Here's one, right? This, the Holy Spirit brought this to me, and I, had, I went back and read this. That's why I'm putting it in here. Listen to this. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. 
but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Have you ever read that before? This is, I mean, this is deep. We're going to get into this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? That's what we have to understand. We own nothing, not even our own body. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, now, so our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, listen to me, lives in our spirit man. And your spirit man lives in your physical body. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit doesn't live in your physical body. He lives in your spirit man. And your body's the temple only because... Your spirit lives in your physical body. Are you following me so far? So we are commanded in Romans 12 to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember I talked about this last week. All right? As a living sacrifice to God for righteous purposes to advance the kingdom of God on this earth by pleasing Him. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Listen to this. This is what I find interesting. This is what jumped out to me this week. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, goes out of his way to make it known that sexual immorality is a different kind of a sin. Oh, you know, we, we've heard... Now, listen, how many times have we thrown around, oh, sin is just sin? There's something about sexual immorality that's different. Do you follow this now? So much so that he says that every sin that a person does is outside of his body. But he or she that commits sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, through fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, as lesbianism, you name it, sins against his or her own physical body. In other words... Sexual immorality joins you together with a person that will literally impact and open you up to demonic spirits in your physical body. Now listen to me. And you will open yourself up to things that will impact your physical body, even your health. Sexual immorality, you're sinning against your own physical body. Are you following me now? Now remember, here, let me break this down. Demons can attack and reside in your physical body and soul, not your spirit man. Why? Because that's where the Holy Ghost lives. The Holy Ghost is not going to share his territory with demons. Are you following me? Okay, listen. So notice that those two things, your soul and physical body, are not born again. The two areas that demons can attack and reside in, in a human, in a Christian, are not born again. And that's why they can attack and reside in that area. How do we know this? Because we know a a sickness, a disease, can literally be, according to the Word of God, can literally be a, a literal demonic spirit in a certain part of your physical body. 
A mental infirmity can, you, can, you can have because it is literally a demon in a part of your unrenewed soul. Are you following me? So the soul must be renewed and transformed and the body then must be brought under subjection to the word of God because it is bent towards sin. You understand that every part of your physical body wants to sin. Have you figured that out? Anybody breathing in here today? Amen. Every part of your flesh, every part of your unrenewed mind, you do nothing with the word of God and you let your soul just ride it out with this world system. All it wants to do is sin. That's why if you get that's that's why the word tells Christians Ephesians 4:27, do not give what? Place to the devil in your soul or in your physical body. Come on, somebody. You either have a relationship with God or this world and sin, and you can't have both. Come on, somebody. So one thing we know for sure about this passage, that God is revealing to us in his word that sexual immorality is in a separate class and it impacts and it defiles your physical body. Amen? So God is talking to Christians in that verse where it says to be separate and come out from among the world. And then it says that God will receive us. Say receive. It makes us, when you separate yourself from the world, it makes you eligible to be friends with God. As long as you are holding the world close to you, you're disqualifying yourself from being a friend of God. Think about that. So separation from the world system and sin is a requirement for a Christian. It's non-negotiable with our Heavenly Father. Amen? You are as committed to God as the proportion as you are separated from this evil world system. I seen uh, there's a celebrity. I seen a little clip on Facebook of, of a celebrity that was speaking at a Christian event, and and he had the mic and he's like, "I just, I just want to know how to love people. I want to know." He supposedly this this person's a Christian, right? I just want to know what true love is. I want to know how to love people. The problem is this celebrity actively promotes abortion, homosexuality. Come on, somebody. And so you got all these gullible people in this stadium going, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a Christian. He's a... No, he's not. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit, not their words. Are you following me? Because anybody can tell you anything. Amen. Amen. Anybody can say anything they want, but Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. Say fruit. Fruit. In Revelation 2.23, Jesus said, I am he who searches the reins and hearts, and I will give to everyone according to their works. See, God is searching our heart and reins. Now, what does that mean? We know what our heart is, right? our affections and in what we're holding on to. But reigns are those things, say reigns. They're those things that influence your life. Things that tug on your heart, that you allow to control your life. It's like reins on a horse. You, it's, you hold, you pull it, slow them. You, these, these things are reins. They have a hold on your life. 
They influence your life, the direction and where you're going. So God is constantly searching those things in our heart. Amen? There's some things we ought not let to uh, influence our life. Amen? So... What's influencing you? What moves you? Next, to be a friend of God means that you know him intimately and that you trust him. It's impossible to know God apart from the word. Right? I, I heard one time someone, a uh, 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 heavy metal guy was talking and he's like, oh, I believe in God. It's Jesus Christ I have a problem with. Oh, really? Oh, hmm. Well, he just showed his fruit right there, right? So it's not possible to know God apart from his word. It means that you know him good enough not to insult his character, not to insult his integrity by blaming him, listen to me, for the storms that come into your life. Now, we are the ones that open the door and put up with storms in our life. So I, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, many of my people are two-faced. His people, not my people. No, no. no I'm, certainly I'm not talking about anybody here. Certainly it's got to be someone watching online somewhere. Nobody in this congregation, right? He said, many of my people are two-faced. And what if I went up to you acting like a friend and then I walked away and called you a child abuser? How would that make you all feel? It, it would grieve you. It would make you angry. See, a friend wouldn't do that. But it happens all the time in the body of Christ. They talk about God like he's his, their, their be, his best friend. And then the next breath, they're accusing him of putting sickness and disease on him. They're accusing him of all the problems that came into their life. Never mind the sexual immorality they've been given into. Come on, somebody. Never mind all the other trash yet. They opened a wide door for the enemy and said, come on in. But it's God's fault. Think about this. Amen. So, you know, it would grieve you. It would make you angry. See, they don't know him intimately. They're at the, here it is, the acquaintance stage. They know him slightly. Say slightly. Because if you really knew him intimately, what grieves his heart's going to grieve your heart. And you'll think twice before stepping into those things. Amen? That's why we need to know him by his written word and by the Holy Ghost. Both the word and the spirit. Amen? It will stop you from blaming him for your problems. Now, to be a friend of God means this. So, so it means that you trust God. But let's turn it now. It means that God can trust you. Go to John fifteen fifteen. John 15, 15. See, now it's a whole other level. Yeah, we're always talking about trusting God, have faith in God. But can God have faith in you? Oh, that's a whole other level. That's a whole other level now. Here, look at John 15, 15. He said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. See, when you are truly a friend of God, you can be trusted 
with more information from the Holy Ghost. You can be trusted with greater kingdom responsibilities. You can be trusted with greater kingdom missions from the Holy Ghost. Greater purposes in the kingdom of God. Amen? It means that you won't cast your pearls before the, uh, before the swine, as the Word of God says. Have you ever done that? The Holy Ghost showed you something and you just rolled it all out and then everyone saw it and said, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. What are you doing? That's crazy. You're too radical. Come on, somebody. You cast your pearls before the swine. The Holy Ghost said, I told you not to tell anybody. That's between you and me. Don't make God regret telling you a secret. Oh. Mm. So it means when the Holy Spirit gives you a word of knowledge about a person, you won't start gossiping about them. But you will pray about that situation. Here, and reach out to that person to help restore them. Come on up. Let's get back up. Come on, somebody. He or she that is spiritual, the Word of God says, will always seek to restore a person in their walk with God, not kick them while they're down. People, the body of Christ, we have a lot of work to be done in that area. Amen? Again, don't make God regret giving you info about a person. If He's showing you something, He's giving it to you to help them. Amen? To be a friend of God means that your heart is totally transparent. Your heart is totally transparent. Nothing, what do I mean by that? Nothing is attempted to be hidden from God. Now, I said attempted to be hidden because God knows everything anyways. You're a doggone fool trying to hide it from him because he knows it anyways. I question your IQ if you're trying to hide it from God anyways. Think about it. But we do. Because we can be idiots like that. Right? The flesh is so dumb, isn't it? But he wants us to willingly be an open book to him. See, David understood that. David made a lot of mistakes. But he understood this. He didn't hide anything from God. His life was an open book. If you, when you go home today or this week, read Psalm 51. Psalm 51, David pours his heart out to God. And not just with meaningless religious babble. No, no, no. David had true repentance. When he messed up and sinned, he had true repentance. So a true friend of God will always draw close to God in the hard times and not away from him. Don't run away from God. Amen. A true friend of God will defend him. David defended God's name to Goliath. Remember that? Goliath was cutting God down, and he said, you're not going to do this, you stinking giant. Come on. That's James Ram version. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) If you're a friend of God, you're going to defend his name wherever you're at. Amen? With whoever it is. So it is impossible to be a friend of God. My last point here. Listen to this. It's impossible to be a friend of God if you grieve the Holy Spirit by neglecting His ministry on this earth. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. Oh, now you're talking about Pentecostal things. No, I'm talking about Bible things. I'm talking about Bible. 
See, people are hung up on this, oh, it's Pentecostal. No, 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 that's Bible. See, don't expect to be a friend of mine if you're going to treat my wife and family like they don't exist or treat them poorly. Are you hearing me? This is what the Holy Ghost said. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit come as a package deal. They come as, you come against one, you come against all of them. So we need to be open to the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, Paul said that his preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit and power. The Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate His power in our midst. And a true friend of God, listen to me, will allow Him to do that and be happy about it. That's why Paul said, he goes, I'm writing this letter even with tears in my eyes right now because people who say they know God, they're really enemies of God. Are you following me? Because a lot of them neglect the gifts of the Holy Spirit. See, the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to profit the body of Christ, to build up, to strengthen. Amen? So if we neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit... now blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's called the unforgivable sin. Now, the, now listen to this. The bla- blasphemy of the Holy Spirit means this, that you're willingly do it intentionally. Oh, I, there's a lot of people we minister to, they're like, oh, I, I think I may have committed the unforgivable, the unpardonable sin, blaspheming the Holy Ghost. I said, when, when did you do that? After you're a Christian or, or before? They're like, well, it was before. You did it unknowingly. You had no idea what you're talking about. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you willingly attribute the works of God to the works of the devil. And no born-again Christian is going to do that. Are you following me? So when the, in the Old Testament, when this, a sacrifice was put on the altar, there were times when fire would come down and consume the sacrifice. You remember that? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, If my people would offer themselves as a living sacrifice on my altar for my purposes, for my use, the fire of the Holy Spirit would come upon them in a greater dimension. The problem is they're not placing themselves on the altar. What's the altar? It's surrender to God. Surrender. Stop doing your own thing. It's not working anyways. Get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. That's where the power is at. That's where the blessing is at. That's where your joy and peace are at. Come on, amen? amen. And so the Holy Spirit brought Romans 12, two, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It came to my remembrance. I talked about last week about giving your bodies as a living uh, sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, many of my people haven't even gotten to the reasonable service part in their walk with me. They think me asking them to do something is way up and beyond what they should be doing. Yes? Come on, yes. He said they they haven't gotten to that. They they haven't surrendered enough to get to that reasonable service part. See, how do you know that you have a heart that's surrendered to God when you do something and it's like, it's no big thing. It's reasonable. He saved me from the pits of hell. Until you get to that point, you're not surrendered. Think about that. Give your body as a living sacrifice of obedience to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit to use and and use it through you. Amen? It is a sacrifice because your body... Here's what he said. He said it's a sacrifice because, like I said earlier, your physical body desires to what? Sin. 
So when you, you force your physical body to be used as an instrument of righteousness, come on, somebody, that's going to loose the power of the Holy Ghost. And you've got to go against the grind because, because, like I said, every part of your physical body wants to sin. It wants to be a rebel. Come on, somebody. And some of y'all are pretty good at that. I'm just <laughs> I woke some of y'all up. All right, good. I'm just But listen, renew your mind so it will be used for righteousness. Listen to this. A living sacrifice. Why a living sacrifice? Very simple. Because you're no use to the kingdom of God when your physical body's dead. Makes sense, doesn't it? Well, oh, that is deep. Oh, that's deep. So he wants a living sacrifice. Amen. Because you're more of a blessing to advance the kingdom alive. Hallelujah. Yes. So just as God started that bush on fire for Moses to get his attention, like I said earlier, he's trying to get our attention today. He's saying, look, friendship with me is available if you're willing and if you want it. He desires and longs for your friendship. Do you long for His? Are you willing to put yourself, your worldly goals, on the altar this morning? Are you willing to separate yourself from the junk of this world so you can be a friend of God? See, you will never be satisfied until you come to that point of surrender. And and again, being a friend of God, it's more than you trusting Him. The Holy Spirit wants you to take this home. It's this, can God trust you? Let's stand up in this place. That's what it's about. Can God trust you? Because God is perfect. Amen? He's fond of us. He's fond of all of us. But we are the ones that He's waiting on. Prayer team, come forward this morning. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, number one, that's the first part to become a friend of God. You've got to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the only door. Amen? If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, come to this altar, and one of the prayer team members will pray for you and with you to become a born-again Christian today, to have a new birth day, the new birth experience. Now, if you are in this place, but you have fallen away from God. You're the ones that's been real entangled, entangled with the world. But today you're willing to come out of those thorns. Amen? If you want to rededicate your life and you say, I want to be a friend of God, come to this altar and pray with the prayer team today. Now, if you've never uh, received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues today, you can do it. You don't have to wait. This is not some something that you have to wait on God. This is not the upper room where you got to wait. You got to tarry for it. Oh, I haven't received it. It's been 20 years. No, no, no. You can receive the Holy Spirit baptism right now, right here. Amen. If you want to do that, come forward. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for healing or anything else, yourself, family member, the altar's open and they'll stay here as long as you need, right? You'll stay here as long as they need. Okay, great. Perfect. All right. Everyone, thank you so much for coming today. Let's, tr- let's really press in. Let's let go of this worldly junk. Let's trust God. Let's let Him trust us. And the library meeting is tomorrow at 5 p.m. I, does anybody know where it's at? Is it at the library or the tech center? Has anybody heard? Well, they're probably trying to sneak it on us so we don't show up. But anyways, 
Go look, call them, find out where it is, or I'll post it when I find out. So 5 p.m. tomorrow, uh, wherever it's at. We've got to keep making noise on this stuff. I'm not, I'm not willing to allow that pornography to be in the children and teens section. We're not going to do it. We're going to keep making noise. Amen? All right, everyone, have a great day. It's a beautiful day. Go do something good with the family. Love you all. See you next week.